You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 74 of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm Jamie Lieberman, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary Clavier. Mary, I don't know about you, but I keep looking out my window because it is really beautiful outside, and I'm ready for summer. So am I. Well, enjoy it because I think we're having maybe three of our five perfect days right now. <laughs> yes, my perfect day theory. It is really, It's really- happening. So right, as we speak, I guess yes. I am inside working. Yes. Yay. <laughs> I was going to text you before and say, make sure you go for a walk today. <laughs> I haven't left the house today. Cannot is, waste these days. That is a true story. I stuck my face out the window for like a minute and breathed the beautiful city air. Yes. And then I went back to my computer. Since we're allowed to open our windows again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so our listeners yeah. probably don't know of this, but we right. got a text message where Mary and I live saying, please, <laughs> please, I can't stop laughing. Please, you it's, I mean, it's, it's kind yeah. of not funny, even though it not is, but all. <laughs> there was a chemical explosion. A chlorine Uh-oh. fire. Yeah. Yes. Who put fire near chlorine? And literally at 2 a.m. when nobody is looking at their phone, the city sends a text that says, please close your windows because air quality is poor due to a chlorine fire in a neighboring city. (laughs) And I woke up and I was like, what the four letter word is this? But then at 7 a.m. you could open your windows again. so Because the wind shifted. So sorry for anyone that didn't read their text messages in the middle of the night right and had their windows open. <laughs> so this is what it's like where Mary and I live. Um, yes. It is beautiful here, though. And Army, I am, come visit. I'm very, yeah, exactly. Come to the New York area. It's lovely. We're very friendly here, too. We are. <laughs> and not sarcastic. Very loving, no. welcoming. We hold you know. doors. We smile, <laughs> make eye contact. Oh my gosh. Before we hit record though, we were talking about some of the fun stuff we have this summer. And you know what's mo- what I'm most excited about? Don and Mary get to meet for the first time at World yes. Domination Summit in Portland. I'm actually super excited about that too. Yes. I told her it's a huge letdown, but um <laughs> she didn't believe me. But I'm but I'm being nice and I'm not believing Jamie. 
Sorry, Don. Not sorry. Sorry, Don. Now, I love hanging with Don. I like to drag him to restaurants he doesn't like to eat at. He likes to make me go eat Mexican food, which I do love. We're going to have tacos. Yeah, we're going to have tacos. There's an unbelievable taco place in Portland we have to try. So we got some good. It's my first time going to a World Domination Summit. And Portland. First first and last. Yeah, and first time going to Portland. I love that city. If I didn't live here, I'd live there. It's so good. It is awesome. I've heard. I've heard great things. So I'm excited. And I'm excited because I'm going to uh, Mediavine's conference in June. So I'm going to Chicago. I'm actually going to Chicago okay. twice in June because why Chicago not? In June is, yeah, Chicago in June is okay. But yeah. not, I'm literally flying home and like three days later flying back to Chicago. <laughs> you do, wait, you do that a lot. You went, I do. You did the same thing for California. It's not you smart. Need to rethink your schedule a little bit. I miss my kids. I mean, I know. Okay. Yeah, I guess I won't say anything. <laughs> exactly. I get home. I'm like, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> How did I fly? Like, Why did I fly a red eye to get home? That's like one day I had a, a call canceled unexpectedly. And I thought, you know, it's a nice day. Let me go pick them up from school early. <laughs> Famous last words. Famous last words. Five and minutes. I went, oh, before we got out of the school. I mean, I didn't Regret. even need five minutes. Yes. Regret came like a tidal wave crashing down on me. <laughs> like, Mary, really? What were you thinking? Because no, here. <laughs> you could have been having a cup of coffee. I could have. I could have. Yes. Not, you no, know, iced tea. Iced tea right. for you. Yes, iced tea. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm so, telling you. Yeah. Lesson learned until the next time that I feel, you know, bad or like, Pulling yeah. at the heartstrings, you know. You miss them. I have these minutes where I'm like, I miss them. Like, I'm minutes, excited yes, for them to come minutes. home. And then they come home and they see my mic out and they put the headphones on <laughs> and scream dummy into it over and over and over again. And I think, hmm, I really, I miss them in theory. Yes. yes. <laughs> They're hilarious. I'll yeah. keep them. No, yeah, but it's, it, I am looking forward to summer so we can actually, yeah, we'll have vacations with them. It is it is nice when you're like outside of the routine doing a vacation. Well, you know, a trip, <laughs> but yeah. you're going to France. I'm yeah. going to Boise, Idaho. So wow. yeah. you win. I think, yeah, you need to like come on my vacations. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm very excited. We usually go every, we go, we try to go every summer. That's awesome. To see family. And this year we're actually, we're renting a house in a chalet Gotta sound super fancy. Yeah, but so French. Rent, yes. Well, yes. When in France, you know. Okay, so we're renting a, we're renting a chalet with some of my husband's friends, and we will. Yeah, we're gonna spend a week there with the kids, and they have kids, so it's it's the first time we're doing this. But I think it's gonna be really nice, actually. So you're going to destroy the chalet. Yes. <laughs> with a bunch of children. Yeah, who are going to ruin yes. the beautifulness yes. of the chalet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But French people are super laid back about it all. So that's nice. I will just join them in, you know, we're, we're not laid back in New Jersey. <laughs> like, no, we're, we're mean. Let's go. Yeah. It's like full circle back to our initial conversation. No, no one's laid back here yes. at all. I find that I have a really hard time when I do travel going to different places, taking that like two days to actually become more laid back because I like have the New York, New Jersey in me and I'm in a place like say Boise, Idaho where things are not as fast. And I'm like, why are they taking so long? And everyone's like, 
more of a foreigner than I am in France. (laughs) You're going to be a bigger (laughs) foreigner in Boise, Idaho. (laughs) In all the places I go, it's like New York. Yeah. But it's good. I have we have good we have some good events coming up. We got vacation. And today we're talking. See, this is so timely that we just told everyone all about our summer plans yeah. because they include conferences and we're still talking about speaking, right? Yes. Yes. I talked to Carol Cox, who I we love both Carol. know and love. Yes, she's amazing. We got to hang with her at Biz Chicks this last uh mm-hmm. that was what, November? I don't know. I've lost track of time. November uh yeah, November. November, yeah. Carol's so cool. She's smart. Super smart. And she knows her stuff when it comes to speaking. So what did you guys talk about? Yeah. So she gave a lot of great tips and information around preparing for speaking, where you can go or what you can try to start out for speaking and what to do also if you're afraid of speaking, you know, should you still do it or not? So I thought she had a good perspective on that too. Oh, I can't wait to listen. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's great. Carol's great. So tons of great information. Awesome. Carol Cox is the founder of Speaking Your Brand, a coaching and training company that helps women entrepreneurs and executives around the world create their signature talks, whether it's for a keynote, TED Talk, or business presentation. Carol is host of the weekly Speaking Your Brand podcast and is a sought-after presenter and trainer on public speaking, business storytelling, and women's leadership. She also teaches business and marketing classes at a university and during election season serves as a political analyst on TV news in Orlando, Florida, where she lives. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have to stop talking now so everyone can hear all the awesome that is Carol. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mary. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you about all things speaking because it is a topic that a lot of people struggle with or get nervous about. So you are here to put everyone at ease. In terms of speaking engagements, are there different types of speaking engagements that people can consider when they want to get visibility for their business? Absolutely. And I know that you and Jamie did an episode recently on some of the speaking engagements that the two of you do. So I highly recommend listeners listen to that episode as well, because that was really great insights. So it really starts with what is the goal that you want to achieve with this with a particular speaking engagement or doing speaking in general in this period of your life and of your business. So you could do speaking for brand awareness So people get to know you as a person, but also get to know your business. Lead generation is one of the best ways to use speaking. A lot of times we speak for free at conferences and at groups and events because we get lead generation out of it. And of course, when people see us in the front of the room or on a stage, it gives us instant credibility as the authority in that topic. So then people are more interested in working with us. But then you could also do it because you have a really important message that you want to share, that you want to impact more people with. So you have that one to many model where you can reach many more people speaking than you can just talking to people one-on-one. So it really depends on what your goal is. When people are thinking about those goals, what do you suggest they do in terms of how to find those speaking opportunities that match those goals? Yeah, that's a great question, Mary. (laughs) And so 
I would recommend for most people that they start locally, start in your community where you already have relationships and where you already know people and where you already have your network. And this is the thing. This is why I'm such a big proponent of using speaking in general, especially as an entrepreneur, as an influencer, is that we are so occupied doing things online, on social media, with our content marketing, with podcasts, with videos. And there's obviously nothing wrong with them. I have a podcast. I'm on a podcast right now, but we forget about the power of our local communities and our local networks. And being a speaker is one of the best ways to build that local network if you don't already have one, but then to nurture it once you do. So start local, find some groups and events that have an audience that would be prospective clients for you. So if you work with a certain type of person, a certain type of industry, find groups related to that. I recommend going to some of the groups, meetings and events get to know the event organizers, let them get to know you, see what types of speakers and types of topics that they usually bring on. And then after you get to know them for a little while, suggest a topic and let them know that based on their audience, based on their membership, this would be a topic that would be a value to them. Excellent. And do you think that that could be done also? I know it's better in person, but also online. Oh, absolutely. Say you want to go on a broader area. Maybe it's not just in your local community or you don't have a lot of time to spend going to events. Then you can certainly start following groups, start following the event organizers on social media. So here's where social media can come in quite handy. Start following them on social media and start interacting with them, start engaging with them. If they have a Facebook group or an online community, join that community, get to know them there. And then they're going to be more likely than to want you to speak to their group because they already know you. I mean, just think about us as human beings. And I'm sure, Mary, this is for you with the podcast. If someone sends you an email requesting to be on the podcast, but you've never heard their name before, mm-hmm. you have no idea who they are, they've no one introduced you to them, you're probably less likely to say yes to them than if they've right. already been interacting with you on social media and your Facebook group or someone did a warm introduction to you, you're more likely to say yes. That's so true. How about when people, when they feel that they have more than one topic that they could talk about, how do you suggest they approach that when they're, or use that information when they're approaching people? So if you are just starting out as a speaker, I highly recommend selecting one topic. Now you could have different variations, a similar topic, but really it's just one topic because you want to become the go-to person for that topic. So for example, I obviously I talk a lot about public speaking, women's leadership, women's visibility, women in politics. Those are all kind of interrelated. But I also say I'm I also have an interest in meditation and health and wellness. Now that's not my business. It's not really my expertise or my profession. Could I talk about it? Sure. Would I find it interesting? <laughs> sure. But if I was putting out topics related to health and wellness and putting out topics related to in women's leadership, people would be like, well, what exactly is it that you do? And it makes them much more difficult for them to understand where to put you. That makes a lot of sense. So then how would it change if the person is a seasoned speaker? Well, then you could decide if you wanted to shift areas. I would still want to recommend having those two kind of very different topics, because again, people don't know where to put you. But if you decide at some point that you want to shift from one area to another, then you can do that. But just know that you're again, you're kind of going starting back from the beginning, Mm. because then people have to get to know you as that new person. So prior to speaking your brand, I ran two software companies, technology companies. Mm. That's what I was known for. So I've been having to shift into this new area and let me, my network know this has been like four or five years now, but four or five years ago, I had to start shifting all of that 
and coming up with new topics and presenting myself in this new field. What did that look like when you started to tell people about your new, about your pivot or about your new business? Yeah, I wish I could remember the details. <laughs> These are the kind of things where you look back I and you're know. like, oh, I should have been journaling more. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, when exactly did this happen or how did this happen? I think it was really, I probably just kind of started telling people that this is what I was doing. And a lot of my first clients came from my network because mm. that's where a lot of yep. your first clients come from. So right. I think I just started talking to them. Hey, I'm starting this new venture. Here's what I'm doing and started working through that. And then I did approach some groups that I knew here in Orlando, Florida, where I live and asked them, can I do a joint workshop with you? That's actually a great way as a speaker to get into speaking and also to get paid for it is to find another group that has a aligned audience with yours, with your clientele, and then offer to do a joint workshop. So the great thing is that the group provides the members, the audience, and then you can split the revenue with that organization. So that way you show up with the content and you deliver the content, but you're not the one having to fill the seats because they already have the people to fill the seats. Yes, that's a great point because that can seem overwhelming to try to do all of it at the same time, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Actually, I did an episode on my podcast about selling workshops. So workshops mm. where it's about, you know, $150, $200 price point for a half day workshop in person, maybe you're selling 10 to 20 seats for it. So a smaller intimate workshop, it requires a lot of personal selling <laughs> to, yeah. to fill those seats. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've done that for even some of my corporate consulting that I do. And it's same to do like a showcase or show people what you're about. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's good. Again, it's good for lead generation. Yes. Nobody, if you can plug into an existing organization that has that membership built in, then definitely try that route. How about what are your go-tos when you're preparing for a pitch? Mm. So I try to find someone who will know that person. So some type of intermediary connection that we both know. Again, those warm introductions are going to be so useful for getting in the door so that the person, when they get the email, it's just not another email. I mean, I get a lot of emails from you know different people. And if I don't know who that person is, then they're not, they're, you know, they, they get lower on the priority list of when I have a chance to respond to them related mm -hmm. to that. So try to find that warm introduction, that warm connection, and then get to know them. And then what I try to do is find an angle for my topic. So again, I'm not changing topics. I'm not going to just present on something that I have really no background in, but find an angle on the topic that's going to be appealing to that event organizer and it's going to be appealing to their members. Because remember, obviously, the event organizer wants to look good. They want mm -hmm. to bring in speakers who do a good job and who the audience is going to end up liking. So have a speaking page on your website that has some video clips of you speaking, short video clips, longer video clips, has some of your the credibility pieces, where else have you spoken, start filling that out. And that's going to help a lot. The other thing people forget about is LinkedIn. On your mm -hmm. LinkedIn headline, you know, you can put your head, you can put information in that headline, put that you're a speaker. A lot of times people will do searches and look for speakers in particular cities and they may find yeah. you and then put some of your topics in the summary section of your LinkedIn profile. Oh, that's really cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. Then it just makes you more easily accessible. Exactly. Yes. Cause we forget, we have to tell people cause a lot of us are entrepreneurs. So our main, the, our main gig is running our businesses, but we also enjoy speaking. So we have to remember to let people know that we are available as speakers. Yes. Okay. How about if there's people that they don't know if they'll enjoy speaking or they think they don't enjoy speaking, is that something they still need to do? 
Oh, you know, people ask me this question a lot. And my answer a few years ago used to be, if you don't enjoy speaking and you really don't want to do it and say you have stage fright, then I used to say, then just don't do it. Like It's mm-hmm. fine. Like I don't feel like doing everything under the sun. So I just don't. <laughs> But I've started to shift a little bit my perspective on that because the more and more that I see people talking about the skills that you need to develop as an entrepreneur, Mm. even if you're working within a company, even in a company, you probably have to present sometimes, present to your team, present to management, present to leadership. Mm -hmm. We're going to conferences, we're talking about ourselves and whether it's on podcasts or in person. So at this point, I believe you need to develop the speaking skill. Now, are you going to be a Brene Brown I mean, she speaks probably, I don't know, 50 times a year. I don't even know how many times a year she speaks. That's a lot. So maybe you're not going to do that. But if you can speak once a quarter, so four to six times a year, then that's going to help you develop that skill. And it's also going to help you to build your business. Yeah, I love that because I think for a lot of people, it's hard to, they, they struggle with that and knowing if they should really put themselves out, should go. Yes, Um, it does. You know, the more you do it, the better it gets, mm-hmm. I know you and Jamie talked about this in that episode where mm-hmm. when you first start out, you're going to be nervous because it's yeah. the fear of the unknown. You don't know what to expect. And as long as you can start thinking about how to be, make those unknown variables known, then you're going to feel less nervous. So I, I recommend to my clients, find photos of the area that you're going to present in. So the venue you're going to be presenting in. If you've never been there in person, then find some photos online of what the actual space looks like the room, the ballroom, the stage, whatever, however it's set up, because start visualizing in your head ahead of time, you there on the stage or in front of the room, speaking to the audience. And if you know what the room looks like, it takes away a lot of that unknown. And then once you do step in this and then to that room, it's going to feel much more familiar. Yes. I love that. It'll put a little bit of ease and comfort into the situation. <laughs> yes, it really, it really does. What are some things that you see? What are some common mistakes that you see people make when they're starting when they're starting out with pitching or trying to get speaking engagements. I would say it's the, th- it's the same mistakes that I see when I get people pitching to be on my podcast. Mm. When okay. it's, all, it's all about them. Mm-hmm. So they start yep. off where they try to pretend they know something about your event or something about your group or something about your podcast, but you you can just tell they really have no idea. And it's a template. You can tell it's a templated email and they're just going through and talking about how great they are and all, all the things that they can talk about. But I don't know you yet. I don't. Yeah. Yes, you may be great, but you have to make as the person pitching, you have to make the connection with the event organizer of what value are you going to provide to their audience and how do you, as the one pitching the speaker, know that you're going to provide that value? How, what research have you done about that event or that group and the audience is going to show up? Talk about them. This is like marketing and sales 101. Mm-hmm. Talk about them and then how you fit into that versus the other way around. And do you feel that that looks different if you're pitching to an in-person speaking opportunity versus a podcast or something else that might be online? No, I would say it's the same premise. Do your research ahead of time, figure out what's in it for them. I mean, that's what they want to know. It's it's like, yes, as even organizer, they're helping you as a speaker to give you that platform. So you already, you're getting that, but how are you helping them? The event organizer, the event organizer wants great content. They want easy people to work with, and they want to make sure that they fill the seats at their event. In terms of getting in touch with an event organizer, what are some ways that you can even find out who that person is? 
a lot of times, well, conferences especially, but sometimes with groups, you can see past speakers that they've had. Do some research on some of their past speakers. A lot of times, like, well, conference websites for sure will have event organizers listed, and they'll have open calls for speakers where you can submit speaking applications. So you can certainly do that. But once you find out who the event organizers are, again, just start getting to know them, follow them on social media, sign up for the email list for that group or that event or that conference and start interacting with them and then give give value to their community. And here's the thing about giving value to the community ahead of time. As a speaker, you'll actually get so much more out of it. Here's what I found for events that I speak at is that if I'm already integrated into the community that of the ad event, So it's already, I know a lot of the people in that community already. And then I go and speak there. The ROI that I get as a speaker is a hundred times greater than if I just literally pop into some group. I've never heard of them before. They've never heard of me before. They will never hear from me again. The ROI is just going to be less because of that, because you haven't built that relationship, not only with the organizer, but with the entire audience. With the audience. Yeah, that's a great point, especially if you're looking at lead generation where you're really trying to work with people and then help them via your services. Yeah, exactly. So I say quality over quantity. A lot of times people are like, oh, I want to get, I want to do 20 speaking engagements this year. Okay, great. Like if that's what you want to do, that's fantastic. I would rather say you do half that number and really get Mm -hmm. yourself embedded into the communities for those Mm -hmm. 10 rather than just going flying in and dropping in for those 20. Because that takes a lot of work too. I mean, there's a whole time investment associated with all of that. Yes. With the research, with the relationship building, with pitching, all of those, plus the actual conference or whatever it might be. It is. And that's why you really, and this goes back to your question, Mary, about what if it you really don't want to do speaking or you're not sure if you like speaking. So I would say, number one, try it, but try it more than once because you're, you're the first right. time you're going to be nervous <laughs> and you're right. But, this is what I find from people is that you kind of get a, the speaking bug. There is a certain adrenaline that you get from speaking to a group of people. And then once you start doing it a few times, you'll realize if you really do like it. So no matter the time it takes to prepare the content and actually go to the event, but once you're there and you're on stage or in, in front of the room and you're delivering your content and you're seeing people have those light bulb moments, you're yes. seeing them get things differently than they have before or relate to your story in a way. And then you have people come up to you afterwards and thank you for that. Then you're going to realize it was so worth it. That's what I was thinking too, the feedback portion of it and just knowing. So especially even if you're, you know, if your goal was to share your story and impact other people, the feedback that you can get from that is incredible. It helps recharge you for the next time, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Just back in March of this year, I had four speaking engagements in two weeks, which I usually, (laughs) I usually space them out much more than that. It just March is a popular speaking season. So it just turned out that way, which was kind of good because then I was kind of in speaking mode for about a month ahead of time, you know, kind of getting prepared and doing it, but you kind of ride that wave of adrenaline and you do, you see the impact that you're having on people. And then I use a feedback form at my speaking engagements where people fill out their contact information and then they can check off at the bottom if they're interested in working with speaking your brand. So scheduling a consultation call or joining our group program or whatever it happens to be. So that's the lead generation part. But then part of it is the feedback. So your people will write down what they got out of the session or what they got out of the event. And it's so interesting because you're hearing back in their words what they got out of it. 
And then, right. and also a suggestion, suggestions for future content. Yeah, that's a great point too. How about in terms of planning your pitches or researching the speaking opportunities, how far in advance should you be doing that? Pretty far. Yeah. For for conferences especially. So many conferences I'm seeing nowadays will open up their speaker submissions nine months in advance of the conference and sometimes even a year in advance and then they'll make the selection. So I would so if you have some particular conferences in mind, get on their email list now so you get emailed when they start opening up the call for speakers, but still get to know the event organizers because these conferences get tons of submissions and you want to make sure that you stand out because they recognize your name. For local local groups, they tend to have a, a, a they tend to be less time like they don't, they don't, they're not booking that quite that far in advance, except they did have one group that I spoke to in March and they booked me last June. So wow. that was like, that was almost eight or nine months in advance for a local group. So some of them do, wow. but some other ones, maybe two, two months in advance and they're looking for speakers. And do you find it seasonal? So a lot of them do like spring and fall. Spring and fall. I say for yeah. the most part. Now it may also depend on that where you live in the country. So I'm in Florida. So our springtime of course is a really nice time of year. So we tend to have a lot of events in February, March and April. Whereas in other parts of the country that are cold, maybe February, March is not a peak event season right. for them. Yeah. I mean, New York in February is not, you know, <laughs> if you want some snow and ice and a possible plane delay or cancellation, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> right. So maybe in New York, like June and July may be more popular, whereas in Florida, July, August, not going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. True. Yeah. I don't think I want to go in, in July or August either. Right. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so Carol, we have something that we ask all of our guests and it is, what is something that you used to fear in your business, but don't any longer? Oh, this is a, okay. So this is actually something that I've been I've been kind of talking about recently. So I actually used to fear hiring. So actually bringing people oh, on, yeah. on a regular basis. So mm -hmm. I have no problem hiring contractors on a project basis. Okay. I have right. this set project I need you to do. Here's the beginning and I know how much I'm going to pay. It's done. Right. But hiring someone on an ongoing basis where I'm paying them month after month mm -hmm. and doing that and realizing, okay, like here's my cash flow, you know, here's what I'm bringing into the business. Here's what I need to bring into the business to keep paying them. So yep. yeah, that used to be really scary, but I had a huge mindset shift in 2018. So last year where I finally got to the point where I was so burnt out from all the one-on-one -on -one client work that I was doing, which I loved, but it just was too much. So I finally got to the point where I said, I, I have to change something. Like I just can't continue doing this anymore. And so I brought on my, another speaking coach to work with clients earlier this year. And that awesome. has been a complete game changer for the business, but it was something that I was scared to do for years ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I mean, it's such a huge commitment in a different way and it's, but really once you break through it, then it's, you're at a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. It is. And it's a little addictive. It's like, <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I can have more people help me and do right. things that I used to do, have to do all on my own. <laughs> yes. Building your empire, Carol. Exactly. Yes. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. Can you please tell our audience where they can find you? Yes, absolutely. So I would love for them to check out my podcast called Speaking Your Brand. And if you're interested in learning more about public speaking and messaging, there are 120 plus episodes on a variety of topics related to that. And then I do have a strategic speaking guide. So Mary, you had asked me some questions in the beginning about 
what your goals are, how to find groups. So in that strategic speaking guide, there's some worksheets to go through that the listeners can fill out to help them determine the types of groups that they can reach out to. And that feedback form that I mentioned, there's a template in there as well. So that's at speakingyourbrand.com slash strategic. Strategic. Okay, great. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Carol, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you, Mary. It's my pleasure. (laughs) Well, Carol was as amazing as I thought. That was some, uh, she's great. I learned stuff. I feel like anybody of any level could have listened to that and get something great out of it. I love that she talks and breaks it down, you know, beginners or if you're seasoned, there's still things you can be doing to up your game. She's great. So I want to hear about what everyone took away from what Carol told us. I think that would be a fun. Where people are going to start pitching. Yes. Oh, what a fun idea. Let's hear where people are going to start pitching. I know everybody's got, I get a lot of questions like, should I pitch here? And my answer is always yes. So let's hear where everyone's going to start pitching. Mm -hmm. We'll be your accountability partner. Yes. Come find us in the Fearless Business uh, HQ. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag-legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit thetransitionscollective.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.